0: Hello everybody, this is Chris Blair, voice of the national champion Fighting Tigers of LSU, and you're locked in to the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, Middle Georgia's number one voice of community and collegiate sports. Go Tigers! This is Mike Conti of Atlanta United and the Atlanta Hawks Radio Networks. You're listening to Middle Georgia's number one team for community and collegiate sports from Atlanta to Savannah. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Hey, this is Andy Demetra, voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets, and when I want to know what's going on in middle Georgia sports,
1: there's only one place I go. It's the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show, your place for community
2: and collegiate sports. Guys, take it away. All right, thank you so much there, Mr. Andy Demetra. Big weekend this guy. has got ton on, his, on his agenda,
3: yeah, right? Yeah, with Clemson coming into town, he's got a big big game to call uh, Saturday at yeah. 12. and. Um, I don't know that it'll be too good for tech. Maybe they'll have a few bright spots <laughs> here or there, but I think Clemson will probably take care of business pretty handily.
2: I hear you. Welcome this Robin to Joe's show, streaming live on Facebook. So we'll say hey to all of our friends listening in on Facebook tonight. And I got a big lineup here today, guys. Got uh, Jared Binko from uh, Georgia Southern on with us. He'll start our show. Got Chris Blair from LSU on the back half of the show here tonight. The former voice of the Eagles and now the voice of the uh, national champions, LSU, who's a in a bit of a fix right now but uh, we'll say thanks to all of our friends bringing the show each and every week our friends at Bubba's Tire Center Network One Sports our friends at uh, all the other places like Georgia Farm Bureau that sponsors each and every week Dublin uh, na- Dublin Natural Gas uh, Farmer State Bank Citizens Bank of Lawrence County uh, and all of our other friends out there that sponsor us each and every week we certainly do appreciate them tell you guys how y'all doing
3: Doing good. On the eve of the Clemson
2: Georgia Tech match, yeah, look
3: uh, excited to watch a, a interesting slate of games yeah. this weekend, especially the Georgia Alabama game. Uh, I particularly normally love the Georgia Tech Clemson game, but yep. Clemson's got so much. Lawrence is in this later in his career. We're young, so should be fun to see how our uh, how our, our young guys match up against theirs but should be a great weekend of football
2: that's right and we've got i uh, got our, our poll up on our facebook live feed there of course so we're going to start with the uga bama who wins that game saturday question uh, we'll wait to see those poll results here but uh, say thanks to our friends on twitter and instagram you can find us there at rbj show and then on facebook at rbj podcast if you're listening in but we got jerry binko on the phone here from georgia southern and uh, Jared is the AD there at Georgia Southern, good friend of ours. We appreciate you being home with us. Jared, how are you doing?
1: No, good, fellas. I appreciate you all having me.
2: Yes, sir. So, uh, Jared, got a lot to talk about with you guys, a lot happening down there uh, at Southern with uh, the, the rescheduling of the App State game. And then you've got a big game coming up this weekend uh, at Paulson with a UMass team that has not played a game this year. So we'd just like to hear a little bit about uh, – I read the article saying that's a – that was an interesting setup for you guys to get a game 10 days out from uh, the schedule start. So tell us a little bit yeah, about tell,
1: that. Yeah, sure. I mean, I tell you, we're kind of becoming uh, de facto experts on football scheduling. You know, A lot of times you're, <laughs> you're doing this five and ten years out, and so doing it on the five, ten days out was new for me. Um, but, you know, I, I tell you, you know, when, you, when it came down to it, you know, App State, and, and there's a lot of uh, collegiality just in the sun belt and and I had talked to their a d the week before, and he's like this and we're we haven't practiced a full practice since the twenty fourth of september, and so we we can't even get on the field for a practice at the earliest to the fourteenth, which is the wow. same you know day as our game so you know when you when you start does and take your rocket science and put two and two together like this and there's there's probably they're probably not gonna be able to play and so we want to just kind of monitor things over the weekend and then we got into uh into last week and you know, obviously things kind of played out where we weren't going to be able to play him. So try to pivot, you know, and, and so we're able to, uh, you know, get in touch with UMass, I know their AD just when I was at Mississippi state, we had played at Gillette stadium where the Patriots play in 2016 and right. And got to know him. And I'd heard UMass was kind of trying to, to, to get some games this fall. And so I uh, gave him a call and then I came together in a couple hours and, uh, you know, again, it's kind of like you're, uh, you're a uh, football scheduling broker, right? I mean, you're trying to call and you're trying to trying to broker these games, which are so uh, so unusual. Like I guess seven when you're five and ten years out, but you know, listen for us, it's an opportunity one to get to get back home. We haven't been at home; it seems like in forever. In fact, some ways, I was telling our staff today, I feel like it was our it's our first game again. You know, but two, listen, you know, there's there's like any team, like you want to get more live reps and. We could use some more live reps, especially for some positions we're young at. So it only helps. And you know, if you watched the Coastal-Louisiana game last night, you, know, you saw Coastal um, look pretty good. So I, th- yeah. I think it's going to help us you know, hopefully, get some more live game reps before the Coastal game too. So, and, and, again, it doesn't hurt to have a seventh game at Paulson, which hasn't happened in a long time.
3: <laughs> Anytime you can steal more home games, you always, yeah. always want to do that no matter the opponent. And, um, well, Jared, how was it with uh, trying to, you know, with – there was such a big deal getting App State on national television and it was going to be a big game. And uh, talking to Coach Lunsford and everything it was going to be, a, you know, something Georgia Southern was really looking forward to. So um, what's kind of the morale around the team having to kind of skip that and postpone it? How did, how did Coach Lunsford and the uh, athletic department kind of manage that whole situation?
1: Well, you know, in some ways it was deja vu because the same thing happened with FAU. You know, we we're going to be on national TV and, and, uh, you know, that, that got delayed as well. So, you know, anytime you're on ESPN or one of the affiliates and, and it gives a lot of viewership is disappointing when you don't play. But, you know, in this season, I think everybody, you know, it's funny you see hashtag 2020 and stuff. So you have to have a short memory this year <laughs> things are, things are always changing. So, you know, I'm proud of the guys and even talking to Chad. I mean, I think, you know, if you looked at it, had we not scheduled this game, we would have gone almost three weeks or right at three weeks without a game. And, you know, especially, you know, we've played three games, and so it's not like it's the preseason in some way. So, you know, that was a concern, I think, for all of us about, you know, quite frankly, just, you know, just having three weeks off and and keeping guys, you know, mentally engaged and obviously physically getting those reps in. So uh, I know once he uh, once he shared with the guys, in fact, the day they have state game was, was, uh, was postponed. Uh, of course, you know, he was telling me the body language, everybody's disappointed, you know, geared up. And then later that night he said, Hey, you know, cause I was working on the deal and just had to dot some I's and cross some T's. And as soon as he told the guys and I was at said, hey, there's a really good chance tomorrow. We'll have some lined up for the following Saturday. You could tell body language got better. Guys got excited. So listen, you know, I, that's, that's what college football is about. is trying to get on the field and, you know, get some matchups and, you know, 2020 has been unconventional in a lot of ways, but, Yeah, you just kind of roll the punches, and it worked out really well for us.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And and at this level of ball, there's so much time put into it, and particularly football. You know, it's not like baseball or basketball where you have, you know, 30, 40 games. You know, there's only – a select ten or twelve Saturdays or two or Thursdays, you know that you're going to get to go out there and roll the ball out. So, uh, I can imagine what the team felt like when you know they felt like they're going to you know miss a game and that kind of stuff. And so, be able to pencil one back in for this weekend is a big deal. I got a kind of a uh, this is more, I guess, of an administrative uh, question. How do you go about something like this that pops up this quick turnaround? How are you getting tickets and the word out? uh to the to the southern fan base and how does that work since obviously it wouldn't be a part of any uh season ticket package or anything like that so how how are how are the tickets and stuff um allotted for a game like this
1: yeah i mean i would just tell you at a high level we're always going to start from the from the premise of doing right about folks right and and i know coach russell um you know, coined that phrase uh, here at here at southern and we're going to always try to do that and so you know, when you look at, you know, we have costs and, and I'll tell you, you know, we got UMass to come down here for $60,000 and, uh, I know $60,000 is a lot of money, but when you look at it from a game guarantee, in fact, I was sharing with people yesterday, I'll never, I feel very confident saying I'll never see that, see that low of a guarantee game again you know, <laughs> never, outside ever. of a home and home. And so, right. you know, what we, what we talked about was, Hey, let's do right by our fans. You know, they, they've hung in there with us this year. Again, I said before, we have the most passionate fans in the country. And I feel comfortable saying that because I've been at four SEC schools. And so, you know, we always want to share, um, you know, share the opportunity to come into Paulson. And so what we did was we kind of did the same thing from a season ticket standpoint we did earlier in the season and said, hey, you can opt in or opt out. And and if you opt in, that's great. we love to have you. We also understand there's a lot of fall brace going on at short notice. And so we, we had fans, some fans opt out. And what that allows us to do it's quite frankly just recoup some costs, you know, relative to um, you know bringing UMass down there and hosting the game. So you know we will go out and try to move some tickets and, and make up some of that money, and ultimately ensure that we've got a you know we've, we've got the you know up to twenty five percent threshold, you know, in, in Paulson to try to give us some semblance of a home field advantage. And-
3: yeah absolutely anytime you can uh you can get some tickets back in in the in the circulation and you obviously want to honor the, the season ticket holders and stuff first the guys that are with you through the thick and thin but uh looking out through the uh through the uh other parts of the fall and other uh, other sports, how have your other teams uh been able to compete through any of this or have they been able to compete and and uh, what teams have have been able to probably run the most normal schedule out of any of your groups if they have been?
1: Yeah, I would tell you, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's a good question because um soccer for us, outside of football, soccer has probably had the most, you know, success relative to, to keeping things as, as um, routine as possible, if that makes sense, I mean, especially in the, in light of COVID. I'll tell you, the, the sport that that's had a tough time, and, I mean, listen, in, in some ways basketball is going to see it too, is, is volleyball. Because, you know, when you're inside and, the contact tracing piece is different when you're inside and you're, and you know, you think about well, volleyball, you're, you're all sharing one cord up against one net. You know, that's been a little more problematic from a contact tracing standpoint. I'm really proud of our, our uh, student athletes and coaches and staff. We've done a really good job of making good decisions and good behavior to uh, try to mitigate as much as we can of, of uh, contracting COVID. And so we've, we've had several good weeks here and, um. So those are you know. It just again a lot of it really, quite frankly, just depends. It's not the number of positive tests. It's the number of contact tracing that goes on, and contact tracing looks different based upon sport. If you're indoor and outdoor. So, again, soccer has probably been as normal. Um. Where obviously volleyball, you know, has been hit hit pretty hard. So that's just kind of the way this year is going. And obviously looking into the winter into the fall, you know, we're getting geared up with basketball. You're really excited about both programs. And you know, anytime you hire somebody. Uh, you always have a, um, uh, I'd say, a preference or a preferential uh, mindset towards that person and really excited about what Brian Berg is doing with, with Georgia Southern basketball. And I'm telling you guys, like, I don't, you know, I've been blessed to uh, to be around some very successful coaches. I went to a practice a couple weeks ago, and the only practice I could even pull it, pull it pretty close to is one Bruce Pearl would run at Auburn. I mean, we're talking... Power five elite level type practice. And so I'm really excited about men's basketball and what, what we're going to do now there. And also, you know, Nita Howard's in her second year in men's basketball, and she's got a good young roster. And, you know, young rosters, it just takes a little chance to get them some reps. We're really looking forward to that season as well. So we've got some really good tailwinds. And then, of course, baseball, it goes without saying we were on a roll last year and, and got all those guys back and got some newcomers. So we've got a, a lot to look forward to. We just got to kind of get through some of the, some of the, yeah, you know, some of the headwinds with uh, with COVID. So.
3: Yeah, and that's what's uh, kind of aggravating. It's just like the football season when you're having to try to broker a game in five to ten days. You feel yeah. like you're on the New York Stock Exchange, not the athletic, <laughs> you know, of, yeah. of, a, of a school. But these other yeah. programs you really hope to see that the other sports don't get affected as much or they might be able to stay more continuous versus football because they have more games. But like you said, that contact tracing piece, um, is that an NCAA A? rule or is that school by school? The only reason I say that is because I know that contact tracing is what really knocks a lot of people out. I know even in local school systems, they some schools have even considered dropping the contact tracing because it'll drop out like 10 or 15 people. Is that a like conference rule, NCAA rule, or is that just Georgia Southern's rule?
1: Yeah, that's a CDC rule and then obviously the Georgia Department of Public Health uh, as well. So um yeah, so we follow the guidance from, from the Georgia Department of Public Health, which is largely, you know, based on the CDC guidance. So, um, you know, listen, it's like anything. We, we're all working from, at least in college athletics, working all from the same uh, guidance or rule book. And then it's, you know, it's like anything. Like there's subjective interpretations at times, but there's 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 trying to be, you know, I've been impressed just from the Sun Belt and our commissioner's standpoint of the, the, the amount of communication and trying to make sure we're all, you know banding together you know some states are obviously going to be different and sometimes the the public health uh, departments could potentially interpret things differently but for the most part we try to be really consistent with how we do things and you know that's all you can ask for because uh, again you know i shared our student athletes the other day i said adversity is going to happen in life you know i said at the end of the day you know we're, we're you know my number one job is to prepare young men and women for for success in life after sport and I said, you're going to have adversity. It doesn't happen. Just right now, you're experiencing some. And so, the three things we talk about, and, and I say ad nauseum all the time, are the three <laughs> things that you can control every day. It's, it's, it's your attitude, your effort, and how you treat people. And so, you got to really focus on the controllables. And I, I just think that's a good life lesson, regardless whether you're in sports or not. And so, with our student athletes and really all our sports, just like focus on the controllables. Because if you think about it, There's so many things that are out there right now that are unpredictable. It can can drive your mind, you know, all over the place.
2: Absolutely. And uh, I was talking with Jared Benko here, the athletic director of uh, Georgia Southern. And uh, glad to have you on here, Jared, with us. But uh, I know we've got some more questions. Let you know real quick, our poll question up on our Facebook Live page for those following us at RBJ Podcast on Facebook is, uh, which game is bigger uh, for Georgia Southern? Is it Georgia State or App State? So that's our poll question that's up live right now. uh, But we'll get back to that in just a minute. Hey, Jared, I got another question here, and you may know a little bit about this, and
3: I'm sure that this is probably still developing because everything's unprecedented with this. But um, in particular football, we've heard uh, uh, several things about players this year. where it's kind of like if somebody gets sick, that it's almost like an automatic redshirt year where a, a senior could come back next year or a junior doesn't lose a year. How exactly is that unfolding or have you, has any of the schools gotten exact clarification from the NCAA how that's going to be facilitated? Well, <laughs> <laughs>
1: usually, usually, well, I'll say I'll, stay, I'll stay the political answer there, but you know, I, I would I would share with you really the way it's going to work is, um, you know, for, for all student athletes in the fall, and, and you mentioned football, and so you know, seniors this year in football, um, and usually it's through a, just a paper paper process. It's not going to be like your uh, some of your higher profile transfers that get caught up into um, the, the court of public opinion or you're all over the news. This is going to be very similar to how the spring work, where literally it's a, a, a paper application, kind of a, a clemency or a waiver to the NCAA. And so we'll do that. And really, here's what's going to be interesting. Is if you think about it, you know the, the, you know, the NCAA is going to have to look at squad size. You know, it's always been 85 for Division One in football. And, you know, how does that impact? And there's going to have to be some flexibility there. But even beyond that, I mean, just because you give somebody an extra year, uh, not doesn't necessarily mean that school is going to give that, that senior student athlete a scholarship. And so case in point, you know, every school is going to have some student athletes that, you know, want to go ahead and, and just call it, call it a day for whatever reason, maybe they have a job, maybe they want to go to grad school, maybe they're just tired of football or injuries or whatever. And then you're going to have a, a cohort of, of, of student athletes you want to bring back. But at the same thing, you know, you also have the transfer portal and, uh, Always joke about a transfer portal. The transfer portal, portal giveth and taketh. So, <laughs> you know, so, you know, it's uh, you gotta you gotta also understand that's that's just you know here, here's the reality of the situation with the transfer portal. It's always out there, and so I think it'll just be more prolific um, this off season, just predicated on the fact that you're gonna have some seniors, and it works both ways, right? You could have seniors from group of five level and say, hey, you know what, uh, school X Y Z and the Power Five has a spot. I'm going to take my shot of that or vice versa. You might have some seniors power five that maybe aren't playing as much as they want or lost a spot and it could, you know, transfer down a group of five. So again, at the end of the day, it's it's going to be an interesting off season, but there still needs to be some additional guidance on, on roster uh, size and limitations, because that's going to be really interesting, particularly in football.
3: Yeah, no doubt. That's, me and me and Ben were talking about that. You know, there's only a certain limited players that you travel with. There's only so much equipment you have. There's only so many lockers. And a typical uh, football team, just using that for an example, because that's like, you know, I was there at the collegiate level. You have 18 to 25 kids coming in, depending on how many scholarships you had available. At, you know, X Y Z. Well, if you have 12 guys that want to stay, you want to keep them on, there's a good bit of shuffling and stuff that will have to be doing. So it will be interesting to see. And you mentioned the transfer portal too, and that's I hadn't even really got to that point thinking about that. But that <laughs> it already seems like it can be the Wild West after the couple of years they changed the rule with eligibility and transferring. But COVID could make that an absolute mess.
1: Well, I'll take it even a step further. The Division I Councils reported yesterday they uh, approved – uh, you know, come up for January vote in the NCAA. They approved a motion to allow one-time transfer for student athletes uh and in all in all sports in no the city now, but also, too, the name, image, likeness piece. And, and those by themselves, but I'll also share that those things have to be looked at together. And, I, and that's a whole other show about <laughs> thoughts on, it, on the name, image, likeness and the transfer piece. But I think what you'll see going forward is the transfer approval out of the gate, you know, not having to sit out a year yet, basically a one, you know, one gimme or one mulligan. That's going to change things right out of the gate. And then the whole name, image, lightness piece. That that's that that conversation is going to be really interesting because trying to bifurcate and, and really, uh, I'd say delineate how that doesn't impact recruiting is going to be really a hard hard sell because you know you're gonna you're gonna see some power five schools that have some very large donor bases and 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 and, and branding opportunities leverage. That, uh, and name image likeness opportunities for student athletes. And so that's going to be really interesting as well. So the reason why I brought that up is, is you have COVID, you have, you know, another year of eligibility for fall student athletes. And then potentially, you know, it looks like it's coming up for a vote in January on name image likeness, and also one time transfer, uh, uh, exemption as well. So it's just going more, it's, it's kind of like I was watching on TV the night how to make gumbo. On TV, and you keep throwing all these ingredients <laughs> in there, and you're like, "What is happens? What happens?" Well, and, what and, you're uh, yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting. Of course, I, I do like Gumbo, but it's it's funny because you know you keep throwing all these changes, and, and quite honestly, I, I don't know, you know, what it's going to look like in six months to a, to a year, just because there's a lot of outliers and new changes coming that we haven't seen before.
3: That's, that, that's for certain. And, you know, I'm not, not going to try to uh, put you on a side of the fence or anything, but I'll just give you my opinion. I think that really affects the quality of competition when it really comes down to it. And uh, the commitment to a university. Uh, you know, other sports allow people or athletes to leave after just, you know, one season or two seasons, whatever it may be, if they're going to the, the pros or whatever. But when... Just say a kid commits to Georgia Southern and goes there for, you know, a couple seasons, then he says, ah, oh, well, you know, my, my position coach moved on, and, I, you know, I've, I've already got three years of my scholarship, but i got two years left to play because I redshirted my freshman year. I'm out of here. I'm transferring to uh, Mississippi State or whatever. And then he doesn't get punished for that. But then it leaves the football program in a backlog trying to replace a guy that's been there, and they've invested, you know, $140,000 in the kid's scholarship or whatever it may be. Um, and then the likeness piece kind of tied into that, your your guys that hold the most money can really affect. Uh, they're going to get the four- and five-star guy, and then before you know, you're a glorified professional league and not really amateur if, if, at that point, because then it's all it's all going to be, well, who can pay the guy the most? And then, you know, what? I don't know how it all shakes down, but that's the way I see it, and I just think that could be really – Really damaging to the quality of competition, really, uh, in collegiate football. Well,
1: yeah, you know, well think about, as we said, we used to talk about Mississippi State. If, you know, you think about, you it was before I got there. I got there at 16. But think about Dak's big year in 14, right? Yep. Um, think about, do you think he would have stayed around his senior year? You know, if, if name image likeness and the one-time transfer had been around? What do you think the chances are he would stayed there? Probably not very good. I mean, Alabama, yeah, I mean, so, so I think, you, yeah, it, it definitely changes uh, the complexity of it. And, uh, you know, ultimately there's going to be schools. That, and I would share with you, I think what's going to happen is, and, and I've seen it done a bunch of different ways, but there are similarities at the power five level. You're going to have these these outcrop of these rec- recruiting personnel uh, areas, which are there right now. What you're going to see is a whole other wing, for lack of a better term, of player personnel um, you know, group of five evaluations, very similar to the pro leagues. And so that's going to happen as well. And so I think, you know, that that's something that, you know, I will share with you is, is going to be interesting to, to watch and unfold. And, you know, the other piece too, when you start thinking about the one time transfer, you know, there's been so many inconsistencies and in, in, in this is just my opinion with, with some of the transfers that, you know, I, I've never understood why some sports have a set a year in residency and some don't. Like I'm a fan of standardizing it, but. I just think there's going to be some unintended consequences yet that we don't know. And I'll share with you. I think that's something that, you know, I think a lot of our group of five schools are going to have to sit there and think about, all right, well, how does this impact us? Because think about football, for example, and we use football a lot. So you got to think about you're, you're limited to 25 kids in a signing class right now. All right. Well, then let's just say you get decimated in the transfer portal and the one time transfer. I mean, there could be schools and it's happening now. But I have a hard time getting up to the eighty-five, uh, you know, eighty-five person roster. And guess I say roster as far as our, our, our allowable scholarships at the at the D one level. And so, you know, roster management is going to be at a premium, and that's where the challenging piece is going to happen. Because you know, you're recruiting off your roster, assuming everyone's going to be there, and you have and you have student athletes that up and leave, and you got to sit there and reevaluate and try to come in late on some position groups. So it's going to make the job of a of a head coach and a football coach, a lot more difficult going forward too.
2: Absolutely. Well, Jared, i tell you what, man, it has been a lot of fun having you on and chatting with us about these – Things going on in college football, and especially there at Southern, and I want to let you know we had your friend Danny Reed on not that long ago, yeah, uh, just yeah. a week or so ago, and man, he is just uh, that guy has got some knowledge in his head, doesn't he?
1: <laughs> yeah, I tell you what, he uh, he knows his football. He and does in some ways. Some ways he's like the rain man when it comes to the stats <laughs> and and whatnot. But no, he does a great job for us. And again, we we got you know as far as the Southern's concerned, you know, two and one. It's it's funny because. You sit there and think about. Um, in some ways, I feel like we're in the meat of our season, but we still have, you know, a lot of games to go. I mean, we got nine straight, and so um, you've know, got a lot of football to play. We've got we've got a lot of excitement. We, we you know, I, I think that when you look at some of the spots, you know, listen, you can talk to Chad or others on the program. Yeah, I mean, a win's a win, but they definitely we'd all like to be performing better in, in different spots. And that's why I think that, you know, week off, getting UMass, in here. You know, we need to take care of business. We've got a lot to look forward to and so I hope Danny hope Danny Reed and, and all of us have a lot to to cheer on this weekend and also going forward. So
2: Absolutely. Well, uh, like I said on our Facebook poll, uh, on our Facebook live feed tonight uh, with you, uh, Jared Benko, here our poll question has been, in the first half, which game is bigger for the Georgia Southern Eagles? And uh, uh, the crowd is screaming App State so uh, over Georgia State. So we'll give you the chance to answer that question and see just how uh, political you want to be in your answer there. Well, I
1: mean, listen, it, it you know, have State's our arrival, and we we stopped the the, the trophy, the All Sports Trophy, with Georgia State, so uh, that should probably give you your your answer. There you there. go. Yeah.
2: <laughs> good well, that's a pretty good way to answer the question right there. I, I really appreciate Love that. It. So Jared, uh, thank you so much for being on with us. We we still want to continue to talk with you about the chance to uh, provide a trophy of our own between us and uh, Georgia State and Georgia Southern here, uh, or or for you in App State. We'll be happy to get in the mix here in the middle of, <laughs> middle of Georgia for you, however we can.
1: Yeah, no, listen, no, y'all, we no we appreciate y'all uh, for one having me on, but two just you know talking Georgia Southern football and for all of us because you know here's a great thing about the state of Georgia continues. The football continues to get better, and uh, you know listen, the benefactors of that are, or the fans and supporters of all the schools in our state. So it's a, uh, it's a fun time. And, and listen, you know, fall is my favorite time of the year because it's, it's a, one, it's it's, it's football season. And two, it's kind of like the, in some ways, the sports season starting over the college scene. So, you know, listen, I'm, I'm looking forward to more shorter state tonight against Arkansas state, kind of curious of what that game is going to be like. Was, well, I watched the Louisiana game last night with coastal Carolina. So the football gets better and better and better. And I'm telling you, you know, people that, that aren't taking notice of that will assume because I, I, there's not a lot of teams in the Sunbelt anymore you can just schedule and just and get a W with. So I'm really excited about the trajectory of our, of our league because there were some schools historically that they didn't, hadn't really done much from a win standpoint. And now there's a lot of a lot of similarities in the league. So.
2: That's right. And, uh, you know, sitting here looking at the schedule for the Sunbelt right now, I mean, you, you talked about that, uh, that Coastal Carolina and uh, Louisiana game. That was last night. But then you've got uh, tonight, you got Georgia State and Arkansas State playing. And uh, then you got Texas and uh, – Texas State, South Alabama. I've seen Texas State play a pretty good team there. Eastern Kentucky, where we've got some Dublin alumni at, and uh, Troy play. And then, of course, you guys in Georgia Southern at 4 o'clock on ESPN2 Saturday. So, pretty good matchups all the way around the board. But we appreciate you taking time to be here with us and letting all of our middle Georgia Georgia Southern fans uh, hear what's happening down there with the Eagles. So, thank you so much, Jared, for being on.
1: No, I appreciate it.
2: All right, buddy. Well, we'll talk to you again. Jerry Vico, the AD of Georgia Southern, there on the phone with us. We certainly do appreciate him being with us. Hang out. We've got uh, more football to talk about, more polls on our Facebook page there. Join us at RBJ Show Podcast on Facebook. Or you can follow us at Instagram and Twitter at RBJ Show. We'll be back in one minute with more. And uh, we'll get to those comments there, Alex Hester and crew. Uh, cleaning house and listening to us here on the Facebook Live Network on Sports. We thank our sponsors. We'll be back in just a minute. Stick around. Sharabba to Joe Show. All right, back here on the Robin and Joe show hanging out with you and uh, having a great time tonight with Jared Binko there to start the show. Really, really fun to have Jared on with us talking about Georgia Southern football and uh, a friend that is a fan of Georgia Southern, even though he is now, I guess you got to call him a uh, a tiger and a champion at that. It's Chris Blair on the phone with us. Chris, how are you doing, sir?
0: Doing well, guys. Doing real well.
2: Good. Not to say that we couldn't have called you a champion before, Chris. <laughs> Not what I'm implying, but a champion for sure. <laughs> No, from last season. But uh, either way, thanks for being home with us here, and uh, we've got you uh, talking a a little bit about uh, LSU football and what's going on, but also uh, we've got you talking to our friends on Facebook page here. Uh, We're Facebook Live with you tonight, and our poll question for you guys tonight is, can LSU bounce back and be a factor this year? And uh, the two choices are, nope, it's too late in 2020, or... It's 2020. Of course they can. So uh, there's a ball question for you tonight, Chris. But uh, tell us what's going on out there in LSU.
0: Well, you know, it's it's not the start they wanted. Although, you know, <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you, it's you know I don't know that it's all that surprising. I think it's surprising on on how it's looked just because the defense has been two out of three weeks just uh, so uncharacteristic of of just what you expect from LSU. Um, And and what I mean by that is, you know, uh, they made K.J. Costello and Mississippi State look like they were going to go on a record-breaking season, and you know, the last couple of weeks, Mississippi State hadn't done a whole lot of anything. In fact, you know, they didn't score an offensive touchdown against Kentucky last week. Uh, Same thing goes for Missouri this past Saturday. I mean, got a redshirt freshman quarterback who looked uh, incredible, but it was a team that had averaged 15 and a half points the first two weeks of the season. So, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to wrap your head around it. Everybody was so focused on what the offense would be like in 2020 with Joe Burrow gone, Clyde Edwards-Elaire gone, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, um, the, the center, Lloyd Cushenberry, who's gone on to have an incredible career so far at Denver. Um, but I think really the offense has done all they needed to and then some, uh, you know, they're putting up 35, 41 points a game. Um, Miles Brennan is, you know, for his first three starts, is already set the record book for the first three starts by any LSU quarterback.
1: Right.
0: Uh, including Joe Burrow. Um, so I think, you know, the defense, just, it just kind of confounds you that they've played really as bad as, as they have played. Uh, busted coverages, missed assignments, um, players looking at each other right as the snap is happening as if they're confused and not sure who their responsibility are. Uh, is or, or, what area they're supposed to be in. So it's, it's kind of a question mark there. And you know, coach Ed Ogeron being an old defensive coach, uh, believe me, uh, it is, it is something that is, is certainly sticking in his crawl. Of course, Dave Miranda was the defensive coordinator for a number of years, went on now a head coach at Baylor, uh, Bo Pelini, who's got certainly a, a great resume when it comes to not only defensive coaching, but even head coaching. Um, it just, it's just hard to figure it out. But, uh, you know, it's one of the things Ed says that they're going to get fixed. So, uh, in, in response to your poll question, I think I would side with, uh, with B just simply because it's 2020. and and, (laughs) I mean, we're going to have a game this weekend where, you know, Nick Saban's not coaching, quote unquote. Um, so I don't know what, I don't know what the postseason is going to look like. Um, I just I don't see any team. Here, here's what I'll say. I don't see any team going undefeated this year, and, and it's not because I don't think there's good teams out there. I just think because there was no spring football, um, preseason camp was just obviously wasn't normal, um, and and I just think each week a team goes out, regardless of the talent, regardless of what they did the week before, and you just kind of flip a coin as to, to what it's going to look like. And, you know, I say that for Georgia. I say that for Alabama. Uh, obviously, I've seen it for LSU. Uh, I've seen it for teams like Ole Miss. Uh, I've seen it in te- for teams outside of the of the uh, SEC, you know, outside of Clemson, which I think, again, uh, it just wouldn't shock me if they had an off Saturday. Just simply I think there's so much that, that coaches and teams are dealing with on a daily basis, certainly week by week, as to, A, who they have, B, how do they manage the, the health and, and COVID protocols. I mean, there's so much more on their plate um, that, that I just think each week it's it's kind of a crapshoot as to as how each team's going to play.
3: Yeah, and I couldn't agree with you more. And, and It's not just you talk about the missed time in the offseason. I was having this conversation, uh, a couple of people, we were, we were sitting there talking about, just in particular, the defense in the SEC this year, it's not just LSU. Alabama got hung 40-plus by Ole Miss. Oh, yeah. You know, every game you look at in the SEC are uncharacteristic. Everything's scoring 40, 50, 60, 30 points. There's like little to no defense in some of these games. And I think that you hit the nail on the head – With all of this lack of defense, these guys were the ones that were punished the most during this COVID situation because offense, you can still run plays, you can still run routes, you're not having to bud people up, but the tackling has been so poor this year in college football, and I think it's directly relative to the missed practice time. Oh, yeah.
0: No, No, there's no question about it. I mean, I've talked to a number of coaches Former coaches, I've talked to a number of former players, especially on the defensive side, and it's been unanimous. Even going back to, say, July or August, uh, you know, again, our emphasis here here at LSU for the most part was how are they going to answer 2019's offensive firepower? I um, mean, that was the storyline. You know, if you listen to Herb Street and you listen to the guys uh, across the country, it was like, you know, LSU's just not going to be able to put up those kind of numbers. Um, nobody really was talking about the defense, and I had a number of former players and, and, again, a number of former coaches who said missing spring football and having this type of disruption even during fall camp, which, yes, it was extended, but it wasn't a typical fall camp for, for a number of reasons, obviously COVID-related, and they all said the defense is what's going to suffer um, because of, of this lack of continuity, the lack of physicality, the lack of tackling. Um, and, of course, LSU came in this season with as many people as they lost on offense, and they lost some key pieces defensively, not near as many, but certainly some solid players. I mean, you look at what, you know, the former linebackers are doing, you know, Jacob Phillips, um, <laughs> obviously Devin White at Tampa Bay. Um, uh, you know, I mean, they they lost some key defenders, but they've all said uh, that, you know, defense was what's going to be lacking. I mean, the Mississippi State game, there were, I believe, almost 300 or over 300 yards after the catch in that game. Yeah, that's, yeah for, that's unheard of. Yeah, that's I mean, that's that just, You can throw against LSU and have a good day, but you're not going to break tackles and and have those kind of numbers. Now, against Vanderbilt, I think there was like 18, 19 yards, uh, you know, after the catch. So, you know, they thought they felt like they'd kind of shorn that up a little bit, but but obviously there were a ton of missed tackles. Uh, against Missouri last week. I mean, there were times where if you were watching the game on television, the quarterback, Bazelak, would release the football. The camera would pan towards the receiver, which would show you about 20 to 25 yards of the playing field, and the only person there was a Missouri receiver. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. Mm, Um, You're right. You know, nobody in the SEC, again, as I said, outside of Kentucky, who you know held Mississippi State to two points, Everybody else last week looked pretty abysmal on defense
3: yeah and, and then another thing here is uh, Chris there's guys that hadn't even practiced field goals before the season started I mean across, like I mean you had people um, I know uh, watching Georgia Tech here locally. They've gotten like six or seven pats. Clemson blocked. had three block. It's Clemson, yeah, had three block. I mean, that is, you know, because whatever the protocol is, they can't be within a certain distance. And you know what it's like practicing field goals. Everybody just standing there shooting the breeze, kind of. But you got to be able to get a rush. And you know, defense and special teams have really taken a hit. And what swings the game, man? Big plays, turnovers, and, and big plays on special teams. I mean, that stuff can swing wins and losses.
2: And, uh, Chris, I want to ask you a question here before we get to that answer uh, because it ties right in. Our friends on Facebook are chiming in and wanted to hear uh, your answer to this. Chris Blair, the voice of the LSU Tigers, on the phone with us here on the Rob and Joe Show. Uh, Do you think that it is a lack of uh, effort? Is it an effort issue on the D right now for LSU uh, in regards to what you were just referring to? Or do you think that... Uh, because of the COVID environment, and I heard this on a, on a conversation the other day, and I haven't had the opportunity to ask someone. So you're going to be my first, Chris. But do you think it's an environment where, uh, with COVID in mind, coaches are coaching players in multiple positions, and they're just not getting that continuity in their in their natural positions, and the kids aren't getting as much rep time there?
0: You know, I, I, I would I would probably tend to fall that there's a little bit of both. Um, you know, listening to Coach O, and I've, I've heard him talk, and I've talked to him, uh, you know, since the start of the season. And one of the things that became a, a theme uh, this week, especially coming off the loss to Missouri, because the fundamentals were just so horrid, right. is that, that that things may have been more complicated. Like, they wanted to install their full 4-3 attack style defense for 2020. Uh, we've already established that they had three days of spring football, and it was shut down. Um, they had a, a very unique preseason camp just like everybody else so you know it almost seems as if LSU feels like that maybe they rush the full install on that defense and maybe there's still some question marks that not only each individual position group has but as a whole defensively they're not on the same page and so last night on his weekly radio show he said hey I went in to coach Bo Fellini and I said look if we have to play one uh, alignment and one coverage the whole game I want our guys to know that they have to know that uh, which I think was obviously an exaggeration. But I think to his point, it was we probably threw too much at these guys without the ability to really get those reps in to have it. You know, you can tell by watching LSU that they're thinking. Uh, and, you know, we've heard it from the time we played Pop Warner football. If you're thinking defensively, well, you're and not just started. reacting and playing, uh, you're going to be in trouble. and And that appears to be a big part of what LSU's trouble is at the very moment. So I think it's just a matter of not being able to really get the reps in, but still trying to install all of their run fits, all of their pass coverages, all of their blitz packages. Um, And I think they're going to dial that back. Uh, I I think that, you know, Coach O sounded pretty emphatic that they were going to roll some of that back. So I think that's probably the biggest issue uh, as to why this, this defense, I mean, you know, we were getting ready. Obviously we're not playing tomorrow because of the COVID outbreak in Gainesville. But, you know, it was funny to me because both schools were talking about their high-powered offenses, you know, as, as we led into game notes and game prep for the week, which is obviously true. Um, you know, I think Florida's put up 127 points in the first three weeks. LSU, as I mentioned, is averaging in the upper thirties. Um, you know, they, they haven't had problems getting on the scoreboard, but what they did do was they buried the lead. And the lead is that Florida has given up a hundred points in three weeks and LSU has given up 96 points in three <laughs> Absolutely. weeks. So, I mean, I know you try to put a positive spin on things, and I certainly can appreciate that. But that just goes to show you that it's not just an LSU defensive problem, to your point earlier. I think, I think we're seeing you know defenses struggle across the board, and I don't think it's any coincidence that it's been a very strange year where practice and reps and the ability to get things down have been rather difficult.
3: Yeah, and see, you use really springtime and spring practice to establish your base stuff, what you're going to work out of, and then trying to condense that into, you know, a fall camp, basically, uh, trying to do that all at one time. I mean, it makes it extremely difficult, like you said, when people are thinking they're not playing. That's when you give up, you know, big-time plays after the catch because you're not in the right spot. You're already out of position to start with, so you can't, there's no possible way you can get there, Um, but... I think Coach O's perspective on that's probably the best thing. You play out what are your, whatever your few base packages are, your blitzes, right. and you go with it. And I think well, was, I, oh, I think ahead,
0: the, I think the, re, I think the to another good point to what you are saying is that if you look at LSU's roster, I mean you are looking at a bevy on the defensive side, a bevy of players who are going to play at the next level. No doubt. I mean it's not it's not an issue of talent. No. I mean that's you know, and nobody's even said that. No. <laughs> so if if you got to go talent on talent. I'd rather have my guys know again to to oversimplify, one coverage, one run fit, one blitz package, and know it like the back of their hand because play after play, athlete on athlete, LSUs should get their, their their number of plays go their way. They just they just are simply because they're that talent. Uh Derek Stingley, if he knows one coverage and he's got one man to cover, you know, there's a chance that guy may make a play or two. But there's also a good chance Derek Stingley's going to make his plays as well. So, you know, I think that's where it, you, you obviously can point to, um, you know, these guys know how to play. Um, and, and and the other thing I'd say about LSU, for those who are out there wondering what has happened defensively, your point about, you know, spring ball really when you install something. I mean, Dave Aranda ran a 3-4. I'll put it this way. Dave Aranda's style as defensive coordinator of LSU was a 3-4 attack. They usually had one blitzing defensive edge. They threw some blitzes from time to time, but it was more, as I've been told, he was like a wise martial artist. <laughs> he used what you did and minimized the damage and then attacked you through that. Whereas Botolini coming in, totally overhauled, going to be a 4 3 defense, yeah, attacking style at every snap, where he's more of an MMA fighter. You know, the bell rings and he's coming after you. <laughs> you know? yeah. and, and the fact that they didn't install that and didn't have a chance to install it in the spring, I think again, um, uh, you know, it's easy for me to make excuses. The, the Tigers aren't making excuses. They got flat out beat. Right. But I think that's why you're seeing it.
3: Well, it, it, and that makes a difference in the 4-3 because your gaps change up front. Your fits change with your linebackers. Your personnel Your changes. personnel's different, like you said. Sting, everything is different. You know, the secondary even is affected based on who's getting mixed in there kind of as a, you know, you drop out and b- maybe play nickel one time. It just changes the way the whole scheme works. So um, I don't care how much talent you have when you're inputting something like that. It makes it extremely difficult and all the more reason to, hey, man, we're going to come out and play a couple things and we're going to rely on our guys, and our dudes are good enough, they're going to make some plays, and you just got to learn to live with that, you know, for the time being. And it's it's COVID, it's 2020, everything's condensed, and it makes it that much more challenging with new players, new returners. I mean, you're talking about prolific guys. Joe Burrow, a Hall of Famer, I mean, one of the best college quarterbacks that we've ever seen, great defensive players that are immediate plug-in players in the NFL. I mean, you know, it's – Almost understandable to an effect. You change defenses, lose guys here or there. It's really difficult to write that ship right off the bat with such a condensed practice schedule.
0: Well, I'll tell you guys this. I mean, I know your home base is there in Georgia, so I know there's a lot of people going to be watching this weekend the Georgia-Alabama game. And what I will tell you is I would not be shocked at all if Georgia absolutely runs through Alabama like a knife through butter. Yep. yep. I won't be shocked at all if Alabama absolutely steamrolls Georgia. <laughs> yeah. And I won't be shocked at all if it's a high-scoring shootout. That's how crazy this season is. Yes. I, I just don't think you go into any game. I said this a long time ago. Uh, for those people who love to, you know, wager on sports for entertainment purposes only, of course. <laughs> well, <done>. Uh, uh <laughs> This is going to be the toughest year for those people who are trying to set uh, the standards for these games because I just don't think anybody knows what's going to be there from Saturday to Saturday.
2: You know, and it's funny, just to that point here, I mentioned uh, our friends on our Facebook feed here. Somebody asked me, what is uh, Ben's betting deficit so far this season? So, <laughs>
3: well, COVID, COVID is real on that front.
2: It's not that bad, but I mean, it is
3: true. I mean, you can't look, you know, last year I turned it on and I'm like, all right, LSU Clemson. All right, you know. I feel like LSU's got a good chance there. Clemson, you can make an you can make an educated guess. Well, now you see a line like the other day or was it the Georgia game, Arkansas or somebody was plus 14 and a half against yeah. Auburn. Auburn couldn't score but six points against Georgia. It's like, it was Arkansas. Well, why Arkansas. are we giving Arkansas? Why is Arkansas going to get blown out by Auburn? Well, Vegas doesn't know. They can't yeah. tell if Auburn had a bad game or if Auburn's just really bad. They can't tell.
0: It's a, it's a different world. And, and I say this, you know, and, and I try to t- I keep this perspective and I think fans should do the same because at the end of the day, uh, that's what I am. I'm a huge fan of college football and, you know, we're, we're, we're lucky we're getting to play it at all. And I know this week with uh, the outbreaks at Vanderbilt, obviously at Florida that impacted the LSU Florida game, which I think would have been once again, a great college football game as it has been for many years, certainly over the last five or six seasons. Um, You know, a lot of people saying, you know, we told you so. Um, Well, I think that's easy to sit back and say. Um, So even though it's been frustrating, I know, for fans, obviously at times it's been frustrating for coaches and for the players uh, on the results they're getting in a given game here early on. I mean, the fact that we're still playing when three months ago, I think we all were kind of, you know, didn't know if it was going to happen at all. So I try to say I take everything with a grain of salt. Uh, and not complain too awfully bad about it because we could be not playing at all. Um, So I think we should enjoy whatever the product is. Um, And, again, you know, in the back of our mind, instead of ripping coaches and calling for coaches to be fired (laughs) for players to be benched and all this other stuff, Mm. which I know is part of the game, I think you have to kind of put an asterisk beside it and say, hey, look, it's 2020. And the fact that these guys, for the most part, have dedicated themselves to to following protocol so that they can a be be allowed to practice and play. Um, you know it's a it's it's not easy. I mean I've been around the, the LSU program since the pandemic hit back in March, and you know you can't control these guys. It's not like the NBA; they're not in a total bubble. They do the best they can, uh, but you're dealing with 18 to 22 year olds, and you know the the fact that a lot of these kids, the overwhelming majority of these young men have taken it upon themselves to be responsible, uh, to be safe, uh, to limit, you know, their activities where, you know, when you were that age, myself included, it was hard to turn those opportunities down right. Right. on a Thursday night when you got out of practice, you know, yeah. uh, or a Sunday night when you get the day off. I mean, I understand that. Um, so I, I think we ought to just, again mm. – Take a deep breath and be appreciative that we're getting to watch football at all.
2: Well, two things for you, Chris, here. Uh, Chris Blair on the phone with us, the voice of the LSU Tigers, talking LSU football with us. We appreciate you being here on the Rob, Ben, and Joe show. Our fans on our Facebook page live uh, poll are, are all in your corner, Chris. They are uh, 75%. It's 2020. Of course, LSU can bounce back and be a factor this year uh, in the in the championship. And uh, with that, uh, uh, I have another statement here. Whoever wins the SEC this year – now, this is from our Facebook page. Whoever wins the SEC this year may just be the greatest champion in the history of the conference <laughs> because of the challenges we have here.
0: No, I mean, I think so. I mean, I think everybody was super excited that you were going to get only SEC games, um, you know, 10 SEC games. Whether you're in the east or the west, you knew it was going to be a gauntlet. Um, you get two more teams added to your, your schedule uh, for LSU. Obviously, it was Missouri and Vanderbilt, and I know a lot of people thought, well, you know, they gave them the easy way out. Well, LSU ended up with a loss to one of those teams, yep, yep. 45-41 this past Saturday. So, um, But I think it is going to be a, a challenging, number one, to get every game in. I mean, from LSU's perspective now, each team was given two off weeks, one during the middle of the season and one prior to the SEC title game in early December. Well, now, you know, Florida, LSU is going to play on the 12th of December. Uh, so now the only other open date, should they have another game canceled because of a COVID outbreak in Baton Rouge or a COVID outbreak at the team that they're set to play, uh, now you're going to stick that, that, that week before Alabama that traditionally has been an off week. That's the only place to put it. And then if you have to use that spot and another game gets canceled, there's no place to put it. So um, I think it's 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 a challenge each week. And I tell people all the time, I was asked yesterday, uh, you know, is LSU upset with Florida that the game's being moved? It's not Florida's fault.
3: Yeah.
0: Uh, first of all, I get tired of hearing people say anybody. it's anybody's fault yeah, when yes. they get
3: COVID. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's not
0: Florida's fault because it's something that every team, not just in the SEC but across the country, that have decided to try and play football this year, it's a constant, constant battle. You've got football coaches trying to practice and get ready for the team they're playing. You have administrators and members of the football staff that are responsible for keeping these kids safe and their well-being at the top of mind. I mean, you're managing things that you did not manage a year ago. And to be able to pull the season off in whatever fashion it ends up, uh, is, is, is because of a lot of work and a lot of dedication. And as I said earlier, I just, I just think we should appreciate it, uh, and enjoy what we got. And, and if it's not the best product that we all wanted, still better than nothing.
3: Absolutely, there's no question about that, and we all knew that. You know, this is going to be a very, very difficult year. And uh, kind of a question, I kind of want to leave with, just to, it doesn't need to be a long uh, answer or anything like this, because you may not know. But I'd like to get your thoughts with the all SEC schedule this year and all ACC schedule for for a lot of the other schools. Do you think this will have an impact in the future on the way conferences look at the East-West, or will they eventually go to the top 16 teams? Hey, one and two, there's no question of, well, Georgia, won; they lost two games, but they made it to the SEC Championship, and they're still playing. Or, is, you know, you, know that, you always have that debate on, them. well, the East is weak and the West is so strong. Do you think this will change the outlook of the way the conferences, uh, 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 the way that they're organized?
0: I think it was uh, – I'll go even farther. Um And, again, this is just my opinion. I think that this whole situation based on the COVID and the changing of schedules and some conferences, uh, you know, again, deciding not to play early and then trying to play late and then other conferences changing the way they do scheduling, I think was the first major step in, in really seeing a separation between Power 5 and, and, and the G5. Yep. And what I mean by that is – You know, it's a chance now, again, if you're an SEC school and you get five home games this year and all five are SEC, uh, again, everybody's now limited in capacity. But had there been full attendance, I mean, you're talking about pretty much sellouts every week Oh yeah. uh, as opposed to playing, you know, on on LSU schedule this year, they were going to play UTSA. That would have been maybe 80,000 people as opposed to 102,000. Um, you know, every game this year that we've played, which is at home, Mississippi State's the only home game we played thus far, but next week, South Carolina, I mean, that would have been another 102,000 people, you know, attending that game. So I think it was, A, step one to maybe making a separation where you're going to see moving forward, the only out-of-conference games you're going to take are going to be other Power Five conferences. Within the conference, yeah, I think in the SEC, though, geographically, they're comfortable having East and West. Um, could it change that you only have one consistent uh, cross division matchup? Yeah, I think in the future, uh, again, because economically, just in the SEC, every school has been impacted in a big way. Um, you know, these $150, $160 million budgets have shrunk tremendously in 2020, and the impact of that really won't be felt until 2021, 2022, and, and, and later, to be honest with you. So I think once they get back to hopefully some normalcy and the ability to have full attendance, I think you're going to see athletic directors and those who schedule these games say, we need a sellout every time we open the doors. And to do that, it's going to take scheduling LSU and Texas, uh, LSU and Clemson, uh, LSU, UCLA. And those are the type of games I think you're going to see, which is unfortunate, but it's going to put a lot of the G5s Uh, in a tough spot, certainly a lot of teams in the FCS who rely on that one money game, say Citadel playing Clemson, I think those may be going away. I think that's the first step that we saw because, again, this is a business, and it's run like a business, and this has been a rough, rough year financially for all the big major schools.
2: Well, i tell you, uh, Chris, we had uh, Jared Binko uh, on just ahead of you here, who's the athletic director at Georgia Southern, and uh, he was talking about the UMass game they picked up this year. Uh, this weekend. They picked it up 10 days prior to the Saturday play this weekend, and he was mentioning that. He was like, you know, that's probably the, the cheapest uh, buy of a game that he's going to get there. It's $60,000 to get UMass to come down and play that game. He said, you won't find that anywhere else, right? <laughs> it's just, that's something that was remarkable to him uh, concerning all the scheduling and everything that you're talking about right there. So, it is a big deal moving forward. Chris Blair on the phone with us here at the LSU Tigers, the voice of the Tigers. And, Chris, uh, we're about to let you go, my friend. We appreciate you giving us time to be here with us. Is there anything you want to share uh, with the audience and everybody listening in? By the way, the poll results still firmly in your favor uh, that uh, LSU can bounce back and be a factor this year. Anything you want to share before we let you go?
0: Well, I just would say, hey, whether you're watching LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Georgia Southern, doesn't matter who you're watching. I mean, It's going to be an adventure every time. Boot meets ball. I can assure you that. And, and uh, again, just enjoy whatever whatever type of football you get. Just be glad you got it.
2: That's right. That's right. Indeed. We appreciate you being here. And uh, let me ask you before we let you go: Who you got tomorrow, Bama or the Dogs? <laughs> <laughs> or Saturday, I mean. I,
0: I, I gotta tell you, man. I gotta tell you. I heard last year. Watch out for that Georgia defense. Yeah. Well, LSU didn't have much trouble with it. And I'll be honest with you, <laughs> I don't think Alabama is
3: either. <laughs> I love, <laughs> it. I love it, Chris. I love, I love it. it. I love it. <laughs> Appreciate it, Chris. Oh. good time. Yeah,
2: <laughs> love Chris
3: Blair. He's going to give it to you. I, I loved it. That was that was his best John Groot yeah, <laughs> yes. I tell you. I tell you. I tell you. I, I tell loved ya. it. That was great. Was fantastic.
2: <laughs> well, we'll be back in just a couple of minutes, and we're going to get uh, your betting line here, uh, Ben. So we'll get that right back here after the break. Y'all stick around with us here on the Rob, Ben and Joe scoreboard show.
0: Sports sports
1: and And oh, hey, what's right? right? so, We'll yeah. okay. okay. put you in can find
0: a few money up to $300 in What do we got? More a Check out yeah. Take you steps stop, four- and you'll drive to up to $300. dollars yeah. so, cool. And don't
2: take that Watch Check out And signs, That's eyeballs. with a Z. I-B-A-L-Z is all about everything you need for printing services, marketing services, apparel services, signage, banners, wraps. We have eyeballs design services for a whole lot more. Whatever you need in your business to get your message out there, you can count on eyeballs. E B A L Z dot com. Eyeballs marketing and signage.
3: This is Danny Reed, the radio voice of the Georgia Southern Eagles on the Georgia Southern Sports Network. And you're listening to the top source for local sports. From middle Georgia to the coastal empire, the Rob, Ben, and Joe Show. Death Valley is now on the bucket list, if it wasn't already. You (laughs) sold us.
2: (laughs) And anytime you want to take us, Chris, we'll be happy to go.
3: (laughs) uh, Well, I promise you this. You guys let
0: me know if you want to take in a game, and we'll roll out the purple carpet. too bad you missed the Georgia Thrashing last season. (laughs) We (laughs) will do
2: that. All right, back here on the Rob Ben and Joe Show, Chris Blair there with the uh, invitation out to see him. We'll be happy to do that. But uh, we've also got to get to that bet line here. Uh, Rob and Ben, you guys, uh, you see the games let, we got for this weekend. Tell us Rob, what you got. I'll let
3: Rob go first. Yes. All right. Um, I, I am not offering any <laughs> advice <laughs> on the Bama-Georgia game. None. None at all. Uh, and I want to go ahead and get this out here just because it, it's already
2: come across my mind. Well, you see our Facebook page poll here, by the way. Uh, UGA 67%, Bama 33% on that game. I just want to say this, though. <clears> okay? Yeah. Bama
3: fans out there listening, Okay. You can't put it off on Saban not being there if you're not going to be on that on that train before it leaves the state. Oh, that's right. You, you can't go. say right now, oh, we're going to win regardless, and then after the game, well, Saban didn't coach, so that's why we lost. Yeah. No, you can't you can't say that. Okay, I mean it is it, it is going to play a factor, but trust me, Saban will be extremely involved in that game in some form or fashion. He's not in the hospital. Okay, he is is fully capable of being engaged, but. For as far as the line of the week, my line of the week, I, I really hate to take my team, but Georgia Tech plus twenty seven against Clemson. Clemson has looked good at points, and then they looked really bad last week in points. They got three field goals blocked. They just looked very, very spotty. This game's in Atlanta. It's a noon start. Uh, Clemson could come a little, uh, come in a little down. It's not a hype primetime game, so. Uh, I'm probably going to throw some money towards the Jackets at plus 27 in Atlanta. Mm. It's, it's always a dangerous play when you go with the homer bet. 27. But, you know, you can, uh. you can live with it if it's your team. You That's know? right. <laughs> we've, yeah. already, we've already donated the season tickets, so who cares, you know? <laughs> it's already a donation. There you go. <laughs> I mean, you All might right. as well go with it. Well, uh, I'm uh, not going with a homer bet, but I'm going with the fighting Lane Kiffins. They're, uh-huh. a, they're favored by a point and a half over Arkansas. They look mighty good running up against them even <laughs> last week. So if I was going to pick a line, by the way, our line of the mm-hmm. week last week hit. Arkansas plus 14. Hey, by the way, should have won the game because yeah. that was That's a right. fumble on the last yep. play. Totally play. So, level. So, I so, think we're one yeah. one and one right now maybe. I yeah. think I think we're about 50 50%. This could swing us. Plus uh, plus five hundred here for this run. category for three, but, three weeks. But I'm, go. going, uh, I'm going, I'm <laughs> going Ole Miss. I'm um, going Ole Miss. Ole Miss favored by a point and a half over Arkansas.
2: And in Arkansas too, there. Yeah, so uh, uh, no factor. Okay, no factor. <laughs> no factor. All right. Well, there we go. So you got the Homer back there with Rob. You got uh, Ole Miss with Ben. Uh, let's see here what our friends say on the Facebook page between the UGA and Bama. Still got uh, UGA showing the, the win there on our Facebook poll. We appreciate you guys joining us on Facebook Live. And uh, our, <laughs> our fans chatting there saying, yeah, Chris doesn't uh, care much for Georgia. Nah, Chris is just he, a funny guy. He, he, <laughs> funny. he is. He, he, is, is uh,
3: he is very fun. But I will say that the Bama-Georgia game, it's uh, it's going to be an offensive game. It will be interesting yeah. to see. Is Georgia's defense we know mm-hmm. is good. Oh, yeah. But are they as good as they have been? Because the offenses they've played, uh, I watched Auburn and Arkansas, and if anybody did, it ain't good. Right. Their offenses ain't good.
2: Well, and I like the point you and I were making uh, before the we got on the air here today, uh, Rob, about uh, Georgia and their offense. And, you know, if you can get uh, Stetson Bennett off of his mark, if you make him try to move, uh, get some pressure in his face and make those throws, his arm strength just does not really – there. He can scoot a little bit if he gets outside, but his arm strength is just not going to be there to make those throws that could be critical or in a window that's smaller if he's uh, off his mark Uh, and off uh, his timing. Yeah,
3: You're dealing with a guy, if you're dealing with a guy like that that's not an elite talent, and and this is what we were talking about, if you're a quarterback like Stetson Bennett, you have to be on time, and if you're off time, he makes... Big mistakes because he doesn't have the talent and the physical acumen to back it up. Jake Fromm, Matt Stafford, if they miss time, hey, they can still flick at 65 (laughs) off their back foot. Stetson Bennett ain't Ain't going to do that. that. But so far, he makes good decisions if he's on time. But if, if Bama can get some pressure in him, get up in his lap and stuff, you saw Tennessee in some points. They got in his kitchen a little I bit. I told you I was and it was going to be a tough game. And it was very yep. tough for him to operate at points. Yep. So Georgia eventually wore them down and stuff. But, right. you know, it, it's going to be very difficult for somebody like that uh, against Bama for four quarters to really try and swing the game. The, the mailman's going to be dishing postage. <laughs> the not. Post, the postmaster. <laughs> he's not. Just, post- should should he's not. coming with a Uh-oh. bunch. Of, he's coming with a bunch of stamps into Bryant Denny. That's all I got to say. I like, like the kid. He's a gamer, man. He fills out the game. He might not have something. He the does make plays with his feet. I'm he's not a taking, scrappy you know, player. He is a scrappy he's a player. player. i just saying, in games, the best wills we've had at Georgia quarterback since DJ Shock. I'm just saying, in games like this, when you're playing against elite programs like Bama. You need guys like your Lawrence's at Clemson, your Joe Burrows to be able to beat these guys. I don't disagree with that. And but Stetson Bennett is not in that category. I know, but Alabama has Mac Jones.
2: <laughs> well, I'll tell you this, guys. For you know, to finish up on our, our, our line conversation just a second ago, if Ole Miss can get a team on the field, hashtag COVID. Yep. problems there. If Ole Miss can get a team on the field, I'm going to take your money. But Rob, I think you're going down, yeah. <laughs> man.
3: It's, it's like always not, better to lose with your team. Right? <laughs> I'm putting my mask on, and I'm going to enjoy the game. That's I'm right. going to save my 40 bucks for some hot dogs and some water and That's some right.
2: popcorn. Well, I expect some picks some uh, to post on our Facebook page here from you there in the A-T-L tomorrow so, yeah. or Saturday. So I'll, uh,
3: I'll do what I can.
2: All right. Jared, Beaker yeah. and Chris Blair on the show tonight. We appreciate them being here with us. We're Appreciate you guys being with us on Facebook Live and uh, online as well. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Rob, Ben and Joe show. Yeah. Let's bring it up
3: right now. You're listening to the Rob,
2: Ben and Joe show. Download the show today on your Spotify playlist or Apple Music.